morning. The passage today is from Acts 5:27 through 42. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, "We strictly charge you not to teach in the name, in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us." But Peter and the apostles answered, "We must obey God rather than man." The God of our father raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in high honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, the Judas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of a man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. When they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. All right, last year we started our series in Acts, and we made it to chapter 5, and then we did other things, and a lot of a question series, and this fall we returned for 10 weeks back to Acts. Um, it's that early church, the scattered church, and the reason why we call it the scattered church is it's the church that is suddenly flung to the world, and not just flung to the world, but the, the scattered church for the world. Uh, and this is what we see in a beginning, nascent, growing church. And this, this happens in, in a local reality, both in modernity and antiquity. And this is what we see is everything goes wrong for the Christians. Everything goes wrong for the Christians. Loss of reputation, loss of property, loss of wealth, loss of relationships, schedules, prediction, you name it. Um, so much so that there was a second century um, historian, and he describes the roads, especially in Judea and Rome, and he describes how the roads were beginning to be lined with crucified Christians. This is after the resurrection. Um, uh, that would make for a very interesting family vacation mule ride. Hey, kids, new game, count the crucified Christians. Not so amusing, no, no. Um, uh, for 100 years, it was illegal to be a Christian. 
Um, now it's just socially illegal to be a Christian, you know, because it's moronic and backwards. Differences, but some similarities. Um, in the establishment of a Jesus community, and I mean this almost in every single context, there's gonna be some display of heroic bravery on the part of normal, nameless, everyday Jesus followers. I get this from Justo Gonzalez who wrote two volumes on early Christian history. And he says, uh, these normal nameless people exhibited bravery and courage and boldness like you wouldn't believe and they were very hero-like. Um, Dwight Schrute, he's a character from The Office. Um, he gives us his definition for superheroes. So here's Dwight's definition of a superhero. A hero kills people, people that wish him harm. A hero is part human and part supernatural. A hero is born out of a childhood trauma or out of a disaster and must be avenged. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you, Dwight. Some of Dwight's definition might resonate. But what of real heroes? Um, does that look like the early Christians? So just three brief, brief things here. Is, this is what we're gonna look at. What was so incredibly brave and heroic about these Christians? How did they get to be so heroic? And then the third one is important is how can you be heroic in the very same way? How can you be heroic in the very same way? Okay, so let's look at this. What was so incredibly heroic about these early Christians? Okay, simply, short answer, that they, they knew they could die, easy enough. They knew they could die. Now, it wasn't like this though, because I believe that you believe you are mortals and that you too someday shall die. But, this is the interesting thing. It wasn't as if they were like, you know what, I'll, it's, it's probably asbestos, I, I, I'll die in an accident, a tragedy, um, uh, it, I'll get a disease, some external thing, no, no, no. This is, this is the amazing thing about the Christians. It was a chosen reality that they might die. It wasn't a thing that could be randomly pressed on them. It was a chosen reality that they might um, suffer. So, which is, I would say this, is a characteristic of heroism, is that it is a chosen reality. Um, there's a political scientist, American political scientist, his name's Walter Truett Anderson. And um, he writes this. He says, today our leaders are stars, not heroes. Um, why? Stars have fans and followers, right? But heroes often go it alone. Why? St stars, they test the air. What are, what are all my followers thinking? What, 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 are, what, are, what, are, what are the survey results? What are the poll numbers? What, what, what's the feedback we're getting? What, what, what should I do based on the democracy? And a hero will do this. A hero will follow their conscience. Um, so what else is incredibly heroic? Yes, they could die. What's, what else is incredibly heroic? All right. It's pretty great to be dutiful. Um, you know, do your time. Uh, be on time, do your part, meet deadlines, feed your kids, 
um, feed homeless people, prep for meetings, complete projects, give to nonprofits, show up, you know, and duty gets props. So I don't wanna, I don't wanna make fun of duty because duty makes props. Melissa and I were in a community, there was a lot of single moms, and when duty didn't show up in their families, you could see the huge impact on a community and a culture when duty does not show up. But duty and doing your duty is not heroic. I, I say this about myself because um, I, uh, if I do the dishes and I do them really well and I wipe behind you know, the faucet part area and get it to sparkle, if I do that part, uh, that does not make me a superhero. Now, I like to walk around my house like I am a superhero, but that doesn't make, duty does not make me a superhero, okay? Being honest on your reports at work, getting up early, staying up late, there are no superhero capes given for being a good parent and a good colleague. That's not heroism. Um, one of the most incredible, like, kind of um, features of pure heroism I didn't say pure heroin, pure heroism is this, is that you voluntarily choose to do something because you just love it. I do not love doing dishes. You love it. Now, now what I just said actually poses a huge problem for modern people. I said, true heroism, you will do something because you absolutely pulse with love to do it. And so this is, this is, this is why this is difficult for modern people. Um, who does something like that because they love it? Like we're cynical about it. There's no way you can find people that love to do that kind of stuff. Um, all right. Uh, you're about to see a superhero montage. Listen as you see this superhero montage supercut, okay? We are saturated in superheroes, aren't we? Um, and there's really no end in sight. There are spinoffs coming, and there's gonna be spinoffs of the spinoffs. I'm just telling you. And then, after it's all done, we're gonna reboot and remake them with current ethics and newer actors and actresses. So, I'm just telling you, there's superheroes coming, all right? Not just the ones we've had. Now, this is the problem, is that we need superheroes in the movies to do what? We need them to fix a problem that the earthlings have. We need superheroes for that. All right, but what happens? <laughs> the power goes to the superhero's head, and so you need other superheroes to keep the superheroes in check. <laughs> All right, this is what's happened. Um, quickly, even in our super Marvel DC uh, mythology, we have developed what? A pantheon of superheroes. And they all keep each other in check in this very um, intricate economy of superheroism. Um, we need the board and the slate of superheroes to keep everybody honest. We have this insistence, what? What do we have? We have this insistence that no hero can be perfect. If you give a hero all the power, he will take the power and he will abuse the power. 
That's one modern problem that us modern have folk with superheroes. Um, there's another problem that modern uh, folk have who are saturated in superhero mythology, and it's this, is we think that heroism, I mean, low chance, but heroism will probably be required of us all maybe once or twice in a lifetime. Like, you might have to run into a burning building. You might witness a, re a roadside wreck and you're a first on the scene person. That might happen. Um, you might be on the gold line, and I'm knowing this more and more because I've been taking the gold line recently. Um, you might be either a witness or a victim of a mugging, especially on the gold line these days. Uh, and it might require some heroism, and you just never know. But hopefully it's a rare thing. We often think that heroism is mostly reserved for elite military units who will do the thing and then there will be a great movie about it afterwards, okay? But here's the problem. Most people need to be heroic just to leave good, upright lives. Think about this. Most of us are in work situations that do not have clean ethical environments. Um, most of us are in situations where rightness is not heavily rewarded. Most of us are in complex relationships with people that require honesty and the truth and it would take a hero to tell a boss, to tell the truth to a boss, a neighbor, a coworker, or a spouse. It would take a hero. Why? Because they chose to do it out of pure, pure love and not just because they wanted to correct you and had a bone to pick with you. See, we have a modern problem. You're gonna either abuse power or what? Most of us know that maybe we're the villain and maybe not the hero. Um, the thing is this, is daily heroism is needed just to be a decent, good, upright person. Um, and and if, if you've read any of Hannah Arendt's work on the Holocaust, she makes this case is that the common man or woman was either the hero or the villain. Common, nameless, every day. All right, so how did these early Christians become to be so heroic? All right, look at verse 29. And, and I don't think I put it um, on, a, on a slide, but verse 29 says this, and it's the clue, we must obey God rather than men. So that's our first clue. But I want you to look at something in verse 30 and 31. That is a slide. The God of our fathers, this is Peter talking, the God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Then verse 31, um, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. That's how our translation does leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Okay. It's really interesting to see the term that Peter just uses. Um, that leader idea. I, I think we maybe understand savior, but leader idea. Um, the same word is used in Hebrew, Hebrews 2, uh, I, I think it's in 10, where um, 
he uses it in a captain sense. So the word is archegos. That's the Greek word, right? And that's the leader, captain, archegos. And it's the very same word to describe Hercules. Like a hero of sorts. A champion of sorts. So this is really important, is that the earliest Christians used a superhero word to describe Jesus because they were being contextual and all, much like us with Marvel and DC. Jesus is similar to the superheroes of Marvel and DC. Now, I'm gonna qualify that, so don't worry. Some of you are nervous. Well, I have a few comments. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. Peter says he was heroic, but he was not like other superheroes. Did he voluntarily choose? Yes, we get this from John. He says, guess what? You don't take my life, I give it. So he's voluntarily chosen to do something incredibly hard and that's heroic. But I want you to absorb something. <laughs> Every single superhero that Marvel has and that DC has is they just, they weren't a hero until what happened. They got a superpower. They weren't a hero until they got a superpower. Um, kids have done this at school. You do it with icebreakers with kids. You're like, if you could choose one superpower, what would it be? I would be invisible. I would be fast. You know, I would breathe underwater. I mean, you guys have kids. You saw them all go, right? Um, but you're not a superhero until you get your power. They're nobody until you get power. You've got to see this part. Jesus is the champion and the hero and the leader and the captain who had all of the superpowers. And in Philippians 2, he decides to give them up. It's unlike every superhero we've ever run into. He's not great because he got a power, he's great because he gave up all of the superpowers. And rhetorical question, but who, who, who does that? A hero. Um, where does his heroism lie in giving up power and not taking it? Sometimes I think we see movies that sort of approach this type of heroism. It's been a while, so I don't think it's on your cue. I don't think I'm gonna spoil anything for you, but there's a movie with Will Smith, it's called Seven Pounds. And the premise is this, I'm so sorry if it's spoiling to you, but it's, I think it's like 2008 or 2011, so I mean, you've had time to see it. Um, and you had a pandemic too, so. So he's driving a car, he's sending a text while he's driving, and he kills seven people. That's the beginning of the movie, all right? So in wanting to redeem himself, he seeks to redeem seven people. And he's on the hunt for certain needs and for certain worthy recipients. 
And so he found, finds someone that needs a lung lobe. And so, so he, there's a surgery. He gives up a lung. Uh, he finds someone who needs a liver, and he gives up a liver. He, see, he finds someone who needs a kidney. He gives up a kidney. He finds someone who needs a bone marrow transplant, and he does it. Um, he, has the, he gives the deed. He has this beach house, filmed in Malibu, by the way, and he gives his, the deed to his house to a worthy recipient. And he owns this jellyfish, this poisonous jellyfish, and so the end of the movie is this, is he fills a bathtub filled with ice, and he dumps the jellyfish in, and it kills him, and he's already alerted someone else to receive his corneas and his heart. End of movie. What's the problem with the seven pounds illustration? Jesus had no need to redeem himself from anything. The reason is coming from perfect, beautiful love. It's not shame, it's not guilt, it's not making up for seven dead people. But to give all your glory, to give up all your power, to give up your name voluntarily. Well, you know this. He's not going to abuse power. And you know this. You know it's absolutely available for everybody, not just the morally strong. It's available for everybody. Verse 32. Um, what do they say, Peter and the other disciples? They say something. Guess what? We saw that kind of love with our own eyes. So yeah, we were kind of glad to get beat up for a name like that. So yeah, 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 we were, we were actually willing to die for a hero like that. We, we, we would put our lives on, for, for a champion like that. We would, we would. That's how they became heroic. Okay, how can you become heroic? How can we become heroic? You could try to be heroic this next week. You could try that. You try harder at being brave. You could do that. You could drum up enough faux courage. You're really fearful to do the right thing, but I'll just grit my teeth and go into the boardroom and just save my opinion. You could do that. You could look within and find your inner winner. Listen to a Tony Robbins thing and then just go right into your meeting. Just like, whoo, amp yourself up. You could do that. I don't have a lot of time to unpack this, but there is this, there's this gorgeous passage in Hebrews 12 that says this. 
but for the joy set before him, talking about Jesus, but for the joy set before him endured the cross. How are we supposed to get brave? Um, I, I like Lord of the Rings, you guys know that. Well, there, there's, there's Mary, we know about Frodo and we know about some of the other uh, hobbits, the little people, but we don't hear a lot about Mary. Mary is even on the diminutive side for a hobbit, he is a shrimp for a hobbit even. And he is very scared on a battlefield and it just hits him. Oh, this is like the scale of what's happening with all this war, yeah, uh, I'm gonna be dead. Like he just gets it and he's just filled with horror and fear and he's just paralyzed. Yeah, I'm gonna die pretty quickly. First volley of arrows for sure. That's not in the book, that's me. And, and there's this dread, this withering impossibility that just covers him and he's fearful. And then something amazing happens and it gives us a clue of that verse, but for the joy set before him endured the cross. He looks up and he sees Eowyn, and Eowyn is that just incredibly tough, beautiful warrior princess, and she is taking on the witch king, which Eowyn should not take on the witch king, but, 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 She's taking him on, and this, there's such a gorgeous passage in Lord of the Rings, and it says Mary's heart had pity at first. Oh, she did. Again, not in the text, that's me. Pity. And then, and then he's watching her, and it says something like this. It says, wonder filled his heart. and a slow, kindled courage awoke. But for the joy set before him, right, he is even looking to something else. Um, this is gonna be how you're gonna build courage, is you are not going to look to yourself, you're gonna to look to something outside of yourself that is wonderful, and it will what? Slowly kindle an awakening courage. Um, Melissa put this on our whiteboard a couple weeks back, and it's still on. This is in our kitchen area, and it just says look to Jesus. It wasn't even a Bible verse. But this is it, is when you start looking outside of yourself, when you start looking away from yourself for his name and his awesomeness, it is going to stoke and build a courage and a bravery not unlike the heroism of the first century. Look to Jesus, the hero for you, and I'm gonna, I promise you something. You will inevitably become heroic. The scattered church builds a dynamic new church through the hero of Jesus and him working in us as we look to him. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, uh, your kindness and love, we see 
in Jesus too. Voluntary, choosing. Absolutely filled with love. May we look to that and look to him. Him alone for our bravery and courage for ourselves, but also for our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen.